There are innumerable events that have taken place across the span of time that have deeply and profoundly impacted the world. Such things like the Neolithic Revolution. Don't worry, I didn't know what it was either. The Neolithic Revolution Revolution was when mankind went from being hunters and gatherers to farming and agriculture. So it's when we started planting crops. The Industrial Revolution, it took place in the 1700s. The American Revolution, the shot heard around the world. The Medical Revolution, when the, with the discovery of vaccines and even the intervention of the internet. There can be argument and debate, of course, over uh, which events should be on a list like this. On what events impacted the world more than others. That's up for debate. But what isn't up for debate? What is absolute, undeniable, unquestionably the number one event that has impacted this world? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about it logically. Think about it this way. What is the greatest need of humankind? What is that which we fear more than anything else. It's not hunger or thirst. It's not pain nor poverty. It's not even sickness and disease. The greatest fear that humankind faces today and into the edge of time is death. We fear death. Therefore, in the history of the world, no one has ever defeated death. No one has ever escaped his own mortality. No one has ever transcended his own death no one has ever escaped the inevitable decay of the body. Never in the history of the world has anyone overcome death except one. To walk into the quarter of death and to emerge victorious. There are certainly other accounts in the Scripture of people who were raised to life by the power of God, but there's been no one ever to have predicted his death, predicted his resurrection, then rose from the dead never to die again. There's only one conqueror. No one has ever had the right to say these words. I am the living one. 
I was dead. But now look, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. No one has ever been able to say to this world, to humankind, Hey, I won. I overcame. Enjoy the spoils of my victory. Follow me and I'll show you the way through this final and greatest enemy of humanity. Paul speaks to the power and the impact and the import of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. Just uh, follow with me quickly in verses 51 through 57. I'm reading for the, from the New Living Standard. Paul wrote, But let me, re- let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. He's even even changing the image of death. He said it's a transfer. We will not all die transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died, their bodies will be raised to life forever. And those who are living will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, which will happen, the scripture will be fulfilled when it says death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, what happened to your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. So why is this teaching so important? Why is this event we celebrate today, Resurrection Sunday, why is it a cornerstone for the church? Why is it celebrated with such passion as it is? What is the reason that the resurrection is so important? Well, because what happened on Calvary culminating in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? If that be true, it changes two things in our life. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, and we stand on that foundation, there will be two things that will be altered completely. One will be, the way we live. Number two, the way we die. But first, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ will change the way we live in these ways. First of all, in the, our philosophy of life, how we choose to see the world, how we choose to walk through 
this time in our life. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 5. And let me read verses 1 through 12. You will recognize this passage as the Beatitudes or the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Now remember... The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ changes completely two things. One, the way we live. A, the way we see life. Our philosophy about life. And we're reading where Jesus is just starting his earthly ministry. And he is, in effect, introducing himself to the world. He is standing there preaching to this crowd that has gathered, and he is enumerating his heart's principles. He is showcasing who he is versus the religious system. And he he speaks these words, God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him because the kingdom of God is theirs. And God blesses those who mourn because they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, they will be shown shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, and they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets who were persecuted in the same way. Jesus says, when you follow me and if my death and resurrection are meaningful to you, and you stand upon them as foundation for your life, he says it's going to change the way we see things. Our philosophy. Number one, three things. Number one, he calls us to focus on the inside instead of the out. Remember, the religious uh, theology of the day was keeping rules keeping standards. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. He said, you make the outside of the cup look so pretty, but on the inside, it's full of corruption. As long as they walked through certain standards, certain rules, then they felt like it didn't matter what was on the inside. And so Jesus shows up and says, no. It's not a focus on what you look like to others, how well you form fit yourself into a program. It's not, it's not that. It's inside. Who are you? It's about changing your life from the love of God through you and to lift it, lift you up and give you strength to live through the days. The inside versus the outside. Secondly, he says to focus on the future and not the present. 
Jesus encourages them to live not for the day, but to live today for tomorrow. He says, stop living as if you're not going to live again. He's saying, live today for tomorrow and stop living today as if you're not going to live again. Focus on the future and not the focus in, on the future and not today. Thirdly, focus on God and not self. One other takeaway we can have from these beatitudes is that this life is not about us. Max Lucado in his book It's Not About Me makes this statement. He says, when God looks down at the center of the universe, he doesn't see you. Jesus came <clears throat> onto earth at the appointed time and he tried to make people understand that this world was created not for you and me, but for him. And we are to live our lives. If the, if the Calvary, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection, if that be true, then it's going to change the way I live. It's going to change the way I think. It's going to change also my priorities and my pursuits. Not only does Jesus change our worldview, it then, by the very nature of it, must change our priorities and our pursuits. Matthew 6, 19 to 34. He says this. Don't store up your treasures on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroys them where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light, but when your eye is bad, your body is filled with darkness. If you think that you have if you think you have is actual darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink, enough food and drink, and your body is, isn't your body more than clothing. Uh, life more than food, body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than are they? Can you add, uh, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And what about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? 
So don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The death and resurrection of Jesus will change the way I live. It will change the, my philosophy of life, the way I see life. It will change my priorities. And here we see Jesus telling these people two things about their priorities. Number one, he says, is to seek God's face. Trust him with all of your needs. Trust God with your needs. Realize that the Heavenly Father deeply loves you. He cares about you. He cares about the circumstances you're in and He cares about the needs that you have. How do you walk through this life with the foundation of faith? You trust God to meet your needs. And you live so as to store up treasures in heaven and not on earth. You hear that? You live your life so as to store up treasures in heaven and not on earth. Not only does the death and resurrection of Jesus transform the way we live, but it also transforms the way we die. It's going to happen one day. There's going to be a little tap on your shoulder. And that will be the last day of your life. God has it circled on his calendar. He'll be prepared and ready. It will start early. Your day, your last day. Preparations will be made. The Father will call a contingency of people together just for you. For lack of a better term, we'll call them your welcoming committee in heaven. The Father will call a single angel to his side. And that angel's responsibility will be to transport you into the kingdom. That angel, early in the day, will pass through time and space and enter into your territory. Wherever you are, when that moment happens, whether you're sitting in your easy chair watching television, at work, at a station next to your partner, working out at the gym, or whether you are flat on a bed with tubes running in and out and nurses and doctors all around you monitoring everything going on, 
whatever the circumstances that you're in on that last day, the angel that God sent will be hiding in shadow, ready for the Father's command. The people around you won't really know what to do. Some may call 911. You've gone down. You, you've gone out. We call 911. Emergency workers come to your side and they begin to treat you as best they can, but all they can get is a dead reading. You're breathing. It's slowed down to almost nothing. You can't, they can't get a heartbeat, a pulse. They know that you're dying. They rush you to the hospital. and They're surrounded again with all the doctors and nurses. And they are watching the instruments. And the instruments are telling them that you are about to pass. Your family gathers around you. They're upset. They're crying. Doctors are furiously trying to help. But what they can't see is what's going on in the unseen spirit realm. Because in just a moment, the Father is going to call your name. As you're in that body of flesh, and as you take those last breaths and your heart beats its final time and the Lord calls your name, that angel will instantaneously come out of the shadows and be right by your side. And the Father calls you and that angel takes your hand and in the twinkling of an eye, you're in the kingdom of God. And when you walk through that portal of heaven, there will be this crowd that is so anxious, so ready, so excited, because you're coming home. Can you imagine? Friends, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, Great, 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 all down the line, waiting for you to come home. Once all the hugs and kisses are done, the welcoming committee will escort you toward the gate called Beautiful, the gate, the pearly gate. And once you enter into the pearly gate, your welcoming committee will step back with a smile on their face as they part and let you walk through. Because just on the other side is the Lamb of God, the Savior the king, the lion of Judah, the one 
who substituted himself for your sake. The creator, the king, will step off of his throne and welcome you into the city of God. Well done, faithful servant. Well done. There's not a lot of guarantees in this life. We have hopes, but not a lot of guarantees. This is one absolute. This is unchangeable. It is, it is finished. It is done. It is, the, it is the rock upon which we stand. The only guarantee in life that we're given is the promise of heaven because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the only promise we're given. It's the only guarantee we have. And it's the only guarantee we need to walk through this world because it completely changes the way we live and it transforms the way we're going to die. into his kingdom.